All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with Cathode Ray podcast number 43. While Steve is out on uh, sick leave, he's been a little bit under the weather in the hospital. I'm here with my friend, the 8-Bit Esquire, Rogers, stepping in, subbing in for Steve. How you doing, mate? Uh, it's not even 5 a.m., so I'm doing about as well as you can expect. So. <laughs> but I got my coffee. I'm good to go, man. And thanks for having me on. It's all good. We got that. So, uh, yeah, it's been ages. So let's let's quickly just go for Steve's update and so forth. So it, it sort of it was about Monday last week, and I want to record with Steve, and then he's like, "Ah, can't. The kids got the flu." And it's always these bullshit excuses with Steve. The kids got the flu. Whatever. My balcony. My my basement is full of water. Whatever. Coming c- coming from a guy without a basement or without children. Okay, fucker. <laughs> So he's always got such excuses, whatever. And then the next day he's like, he's got it. And then he's got it. And, uh, you know, he kind of progressed on. And then he was in the hospital later. Um, I don't know. I only saw those photos that he sent. I don't know anything more about uh, what what happened to him. But he's out of the hospital now, as I Yes. Yeah. Well, without getting into... You see, in the United States, we have this thing called HIPAA. So we can't talk... <laughs> which is a... Uh, uh, so you can't talk about other people's health issues uh, unless they give you... Cons- is that only for medical professionals or for anybody? So uh, I think... I believe it... Well, it covers medical professionals. I know about this because mm-hmm. I write... I do a little bit of that regulatory work. So it's uh, medical right. professionals and uh, their business partners. So insurance companies pharmacies, all of that kind of stuff. So they can't disclose it without your authorization. But anyway, Steve's heart was fucked up. That's <laughs> that's the inside scoop. And uh, But uh, he's feeling better, which is great. And he's back home with his family. So It's nice. And uh, from my, again, my socialistic, communistic European perspective, uh, my first thought was, dude, uh, have you got enough to pay for this? Like, well, how much is all this going to cost? Well, yeah. He's got health insurance, I'm told. He's fine. We don't well, have that... to start the GoFundMe. <coughs> well, yeah, if you have health insurance, that doesn't mean shit in this country. You could have, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, hopefully it's not going to break the bank. But he'll need a couple more uh, 2530s to fix, I guess, to f- cover that deductible. Yeah, right. So right. If, you've got, if you'd like to sign up for Steve's Patreon right now. Uh, <laughs> right. No, well, he said he's all right. He said he's covered and, and things are okay and he wasn't worried about that money thing so i could i could do i could do the rest of the show as steve if you'd like i can i can (laughs) hey lewis it's good to see you man (laughs) hey today today we're going to talk about convergence and with convergence that's when the red and the green and the blue converge to make white (laughs) now sometimes here if you see in the corner here of this pvm you just put here this little convergence strip and now that corrects the. That's my Steve. Sorry. That's not. <laughs> that's so super hillbilly. It's, you know, no, it's not. But you know what? It's not hillbilly. It's like because hillbilly is the government says I can't <laughs> drink and drive. What, what are we? What are we? China? Like that's hillbilly, right? <laughs> right. Steve is like, it's so calming, and I got a critter in my garage today, and I'm gonna go sniff around here and try to find it. And it's just like I could put his channel on. And just fall asleep on me. Like, if I didn't have fucking kids uh, that are, like, constantly at me, uh, I could just lay on the couch and just watch Steve's thing and just kind of pass out while he's, you know, replacing caps on a motherboard, you know? He's just so, yeah, yeah. so soothing. And it's, uh, that's that's a good southern drawl. Not the, 
Not the twangy kind, but his, I love Steve's <laughs> voice. Yeah. And that's how he gets through those 20-minute videos on what's going on on mm-hmm. the inside of a CRT, what's going on on this CV. Yeah, man. Just listen no, to No, I him. love Still Steve. He's, he's the best. He's the best. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> um, so what about, now, as I understood, am I allowed to reveal, what about you and your video? Oh, yeah. I, well, there's no, there's no creation going on right now. It's, it's me. So, I'm, Lewis, I'm in the middle of a midlife crisis. Okay, oh, I'm, really? I'm, sti- okay, I'm sti- no shit with that collection <laughs> behind you. Yeah, right. Gee, who would have guessed? Yeah, no, I'm staring forty dead in the face, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it, let's make a YouTube channel. Uh, so I've invested a little bit of, not a lot of money, a little bit of money, into just some proper lighting, a proper microphone. I don't have that shitty twelve dollar lav mic that I was using before. Should've uh, got that shitty uh, retro RGB hoodie instead, but yeah. Oh, this is comfy, man. Oh, it, no, I I posted about this. It it's I don't know who Bob's, you know, whoever he's con- contracted out with making his shit, but like mm-hmm. this sweatshirt is so soft and it's I, I sleep in it all the time. I love this thing. It, for for the low low price of 39.99 US dollars, you can <laughs> you too can have a retro RGB hoodie. Uh anyways, uh Bob's, Sorry, yes, your collection. Yeah, se- you se- send me a check please, Bob. Um it's, uh, yeah, so, I, I, yeah, I'm going to start a YouTube channel, and I've got a, a show worked out. Uh, you, my friend, will be a guest on my show, uh, cool. and, and I hope I branch out to other projects. I'd like to do, like, long-form interviews and things like this with people I I admire okay. in the community. So uh, the, the hardest part is everybody's hardest part. It's just sitting down and producing, yeah. you know, and just finding the time to film and edit and all that stuff. So it, it's taken me a little longer than I than I expected, but that's that's how it always goes. I it's guess. okay. Finding routines is hard. Finding mm-hmm. uh, that I've been uh, I've been back for about a week now, and I from from my trip, and uh, I have had no motivation for any of this. I've got like ten videos in Japan filmed. They're literally all I need to do is make a voiceover, but I haven't got to that. And I spent a lot of time filming another video, which is how explaining how I go to hard offs and explaining the the process of navigating them and finding them and what to do which i will be getting a proper video editor in because i don't think i my crappy uh final cut experience can can do that video justice so yeah i kind of though i was a bit like leaning my motivation on steve like yeah steve we'll do a podcast that'll kickstart me again and then well ends up in the hospital right so uh i'm uh, we'll kickstart it with this one and i got a few ideas but yeah, that motivation, that um, keeping to the schedule, I'm getting there with as well. Comes and goes. Well, it's, I mean, it's not just motivation. It, I mean, I, I, that's the thing is like, I have a lot of creative juices and I just don't, I don't have an outlet for it, really. I mean, that's where my Twitter comes in. Like, a lot of people follow me on Twitter and I, I you know, I love all the followers, but I, I, I never really created my Twitter account to gain followers i could give a shit less if anybody liked my jokes or not it's just i just needed somewhere to tell jokes because my wife doesn't think i'm funny so so i (laughs) so i had to you know and i i have a lot of other ideas that i'd like to do like you know and i think i see the youtube shorts now are are, you know really being promoted by youtube and and i've got a lot of ideas just for little skits and things like that that uh i'd love to do and i you know so i just need to do it i don't care if anybody watches it i just want to I just want to do it, you know? I just want to put it out there. And if people like it, that's great. If they don't, that's great too. I mean, whatever, but... I think it's good. Your your video is also quite... Yeah, like, uh, as you, you told... I won't give away your, your concept yet, but it was entertaining. 
it's not just like, hey, here's the information that I'm telling you to the cameras at right. YouTube, but like there's a little concept and it's entertaining yeah. and and I like that part. I, I struggle to make mine entertaining uh, sometimes. Like it's always just like information, information, information. Well, yeah, but yours is always like, you know, oddball information that it's like, wow, I have no interest in that. Like, I don't care about the lag on this projector, but it's really cool. Like, I, you know, now I've learned something, you know, that I wouldn't have think, you know, I wouldn't have thought to go look for myself. So that's, that's what I, yours is really unique, which is what I like. Uh, plus all this hard off stuff, like, uh, man, <laughs> Lewis, I, like, if, if I were you, and if I went in, if I was in your circumstance, I would be out of my apartment right now. I would have lost my lease. I would have been kicked out. I wouldn't have made rent. I would have been bankrupt. I would have had to sell blood <laughs> on the side and other bodily fluids. Like I would have spent so much goddamn money in Japan. Uh, like some of the, just the photos you would send me, just like, hey man, what do you think of this? Oh, take a look at this. Take a look at that. I'm like, I would buy all that shit, and I would just I would just figure out how to ship it home later. Like it, it's absurd the amount of cool stuff they have out there. It's nuts. And I look, we've all got to stick to our own budget as well. So for me. Right. Uh, I spent a lot. Also, I find myself when I'm there, it's um, it's different because you are coming from a position of scarcity in right. the market, where right. you go to a position of abundance, let's say, and all your, your perspective changes when things are abundant and around. That FOMO isn't there anymore. Oh no, I'll find that control up next week or right. whatever. You know, so that and after a while, even though, especially in my final days, I was there thinking like. Bro, you, I, I'm, I've got the, how to say, the abundance mentality. I'm like, oh, I've spent so much money. But I think to myself, dude, as soon as you get back, you'll be like, oh, I wish I'd bought that. Oh, I wish I'd got, right. that. I wish I'd got that thing. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember what... Number one, it was all the CRTs that you would find. Like a surprising amount of CRTs. and even and, and even just like, just computer monitors. I mean, you could get away with getting a 13-inch com computer monitor. I mean, trying to get it home is, is you know, half the battle, but... But and for pretty discounted prices. I mean, you were finding complete brand new inbox Famicoms for what? Mm. Like those can range um, like a Famicom actual original with the attached controllers that mm -hmm. don't detach, right? Sort of thing. That can. I mean, if you look around, you can still get one in the junk bin for five hundred yen, and it's crazy. I'm pretty sure it'll work. And uh, there'll be like eight in the junk bin that are all yellowed and, and all right. that, but there'll always be one white one. For some reason, <laughs> there's one albino that hasn't... So you can do that, or you can get a boxed one, and you could spend... I was just say boxed fam... Well, boxed original Famicom and the big one, maybe 50, 60, 70, uh, something like that, bucks. AV Famicom in box is going to go more like 120 right. uh, these days. Not so many junk AV Famicoms around. But uh, they're definitely there, and but, uh, I yep. But AV Famicom, come on, that's not that's not a real Famicom. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the one I. Well, no, where, where's the where's the where's the romance in an AV Famicom? There's no there's no <laughs> you know it's too easy. It's like it's like it's like going to doggy obedience school and you've got a golden retriever. It's like you know, and everybody's like, oh wow, your dog's so well behaved. It's like yeah, it's a fucking golden retriever. Where's <laughs> you know, like show up with a Jack Russell Terrier. That's the Famicom, right? Because that fucker's got RF only, and you've got to figure mm. out a way to get. RF into your setup somehow, you know. <laughs> but no, AV so take us through fine. again. The you with your RF now. You mm. had to do the channel 
mod on the back of that. So you know, it's funny. So walk us through the way the the channels work because it's very interesting for me the idea of channels because in Australia when we were tuning RF we didn't really know channels. I just tuned it, like it was just. Tune it until the TV station comes up and then it's on. It wasn't like, oh, this is on channel one. Right. This is on channel two. It was sort of a kind of an unknown concept for us. Well, in the U.S., we have, uh, it, it, back in the day, we had UHF and VHF, which were two right. two bands. And I'm sure you probably had something equivalent to that. Yeah, absolutely. Australia. We had the same thing, too. Okay. We had, I remember sets that had two knobs. What is what is Australia? Was that, was that NTSC or was that PAL? PAL. PAL, PAL okay. The worst. The worst. PAL 50. Oh, but oh, but you had SCART. But you had SCART, though. Uh, I did have a lot of SCART. <laughs> uh, no, but so, yeah, it, it, really a channel, it's a misnomer. Uh, because when you when you put a, a CRT on a channel, it's really just mm. a, a band of, of mm. radio frequencies. It's a range. It's anywhere from this range to this range. And then you go down from channel 3 to channel 4, and it's this range from this range. And your TV is kind of doing the rest of the work to kind of fine-tune or dial in uh, what the actual frequency is of whatever's being output to you, whether it's a broadcast over the air or whether it's a, an Atari or a Nintendo or whatever. And some televisions, like I, I'm looking at my uh, Sony KV-1217, it's it's an old set. It's from 1980, but it's got a really advanced feature where you can just hit an auto-tune button. And if you're on channel 3, it'll seek whatever the frequency is that's coming towards the television and then it'll kind of optimize the the, the 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 broadcast. Uh, because all it is, it's just a radio broadcast. Like, it's giving you video and audio through a radio frequency, which is pretty incredible that they were even able to accomplish that back then. Um, so with the Famicom, this is a poor example, but it's funny because I was setting up, like, where I'm going to do B-roll. So this is a... I don't know if you can see it. So this is a Famicom motherboard. Now, this is a la this is a later re uh, revision. And the way you could tell is because um, you have the main motherboard with, you know, the, mm -hmm. the PPU and the CPU and all that stuff. Um, they have, this is the, the um, power supply and the RF unit. And it's hard soldered to the motherboard itself. A uh, lot, lot of lead on that motherboard too, I should add. Um, so, and, and inside of this is where the actual RF unit is. Now, if I were to take this off on earlier models, earlier motherboards, um, you'll actually see a, it's a little green potentiometer. And if you've got a trimming device, a little plastic screwdriver, you could just put it in there and you could actually adjust the output frequency of the video and the audio. So, you know, Famicom, you're stuck on channel one, channel two in Japan, uh, which translates loosely approximately to channel 95 or 96 in the states i don't know what it would be for pal um so if you have a cable ready television uh something made in like the late 80s up through you know you get those big silver uh wega trinitrons uh you should be able to tune to channel 95 or 96 no problem and you can plug it in but if you're a, a weirdo like me and you got to have a wood grained <laughs> CRT from 1980, <clears throat> you don't have that luxury because your channels only go up to like 12. So uh, you could actually fine tune that output um, to where it's outputting what's close to the frequency of US channel 6. And if you get it just right, if you have your, your CRT set to channel 6, you'll start to see an image. And then for me, I just hit that fine tune button and it looks, hmm. it looks like composite. I mean, it looks really nice. 
does. Yeah, it, it turned out really great. So that's a little trick. Uh, I'll give him a plug. It's Displaced Gamers is the uh, YouTube channel. The guy there is fantastic. He does a lot of cool stuff about uh, coding. Um, he does a lot of cool stuff about just like the development of games and, and weird technologies behind them. And, and uh, uh, he had a, a really cool video about uh, the differences between um, uh, games loading on the Famicom disk system and then when they were brought to the States, uh, or to Australia even, uh, and, and their, their cart conversions, what the differences were between the two. It's just real fascinating stuff. He doesn't get enough love. I think he should have a lot more followers. So He uh, does. Steve's a, a friend of his. And, and oh, no kidding. Several times. So oh, okay. We're trying to get it to work out so for him to come on the channel and talk about it. I love his stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm... I know these days, I think he's focusing on those Famicom breakdowns where he's behind the code, sorry, yeah. what he calls, analyzing yeah. how Famicom games work. I really enjoyed the, the OG series where he explained Chroma and Luma, where he explained mm. RGB, where he explained that real. I understand that wasn't maybe getting as much love, but uh, I love you know, what is 240p and so forth. So yeah, I really that's, like a, this place game. that's a really good video. I do like, I've seen that one too. Uh, yeah, he does great work. It's probably one of my favorite channels. So the there's, real sort of, there's sort of videos that I watch several times. Like I watch now, and then I watch like I watched a year ago, and then watch now. And what I've learned about analog video, right. I appreciate more of it, understanding more of it. Yeah, well, because especially for folks like me, or complete morons, you know, and and uh, you just get a idea. Well, I didn't know how. What does it mean to be 60 hertz? What exactly is that? <laughs> you know. Uh, so he, and he dumbs it down for numbskulls like me, which is great. Um, uh, so I think, uh, yeah, good, good RF is as good as composite, right? Mm -hmm. It is, it is like it is meant to be, and it looks that way and looks good, like good solid RF all in your place without electrical interference uh, in the big city interfering with it or something like that. So that's a real nice solution. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't have anything here that can accept RF. I'd need one of those little tuners or or something like that. So I'm going. Going down, because for me, what I've been doing uh, over the, the weekend is I got the N64 out, and I haven't had this out in years. Now, this one's been RGB modded uh, with Voltar's mod. Yeah. So there's something about N64 models to understand. A lot of people talk about the N64 digital or the N64 RGB mod. Now, there's an easy mod and a hard mod. And most people uh, in the U.S. may be aware of the hard mod. That's Tim Worthington's one, and it involves flex cables. It involves fine solder, fine pitch soldering, and is quite a bit more expensive as well um, because of the models that you generally had in the U.S. The models that were released in Japan are a different revision, and all of the Japanese N64s can take the easy N64 mod. What's the and that's so you're just saying the easy is it doesn't have the the flex cables it's a less time consuming modification yeah I'm just bringing up Voltar's uh, mod shop right now DIY mod kits because here it is uh, so yeah the the there's Roger. Uh, the and yeah so the 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 one that most US people will have to use on US consoles there's flex cable it's quite I mean, it's not hard, hard, but it's certainly not quite beginner. Right. And with the cost of the kit and your N64, you don't want to be screwing with that first time. But the the easy one is akin to a Super Nintendo S, a fix. 
something similar, like a small board. I want to say like a triple bypass, but with less uh, pins. It's basically you're finding uh, RGB and S are basically exposed on the motherboard. And so you're connecting to RGB and S on the motherboard, maybe removing a small little resistor or something like that. And then it's done. Hmm. And it's so easy. I was able to do it. I've done this one to my N64. There's the similar one to the Super Nintendo. I think I did that on my SNES Junior to restore all that functionality. That's nice. Well, do you notice... So if, do, you, do, you, do you play your N64? How do you primarily play it? On your BVM, then? So, yeah. I haven't played it for years and years and years and years. Right. And Because it sucks. my N64 Because out. it sucks. Because it sucks. Let, let it, let's be clear. The Nintendo 64 sucks. However, if you'd like to take it out every once in a while for the novelty, go ahead. Sure. <laughs> it's like me in the nightclub. I take it out every so often for the novelty. <laughs> so. You're not married. You're not allowed to say that. <laughs> mm, true, true. So what... Uh, now, I just want to... Before I claim facts, uh, I think that the N64 mod... Uh, also repairs, well, how to say, improves composite. So mm. I just wanted to double check that on Voltar's website. I'm going down. I'm pretty sure what it's doing is also fixing composite as well. And it's uh, using the onboard uh, THS chip to actually produce new composite directly from oh, RGB. really? Okay. Rather than taking the original composite that was coming out of the N64. So then I'm like, all right, I'm going to play this fucker. And then I realized I don't have an N64 RGB cable. I don't know where. I have one somewhere. Who knows where it is? Um, my options were either I did buy a, uh, the N64 or multi-out JP21 cable Ooh. when I was in Japan. Right. And I found it pretty cheap. Only like 25 bucks. It felt too cheap. Uh, it's real and from a real store, but it's just maybe too obscure. And I found it in Osaka, so like a smaller place. And one thing I'm going to try and do is just rewire that cable. Yeah. Because JP21 and SCART, they're electrically the same. Right. And it's basically just not even soldering. It's pulling out pins and pushing them back into a different spot on the SCART Yeah, that board. should be easy for you to do. I could probably do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, any monkey could do it. That's right. And so I was going to do that, but uh, I didn't have time for that. And maybe I was high, so I wasn't going <laughs> to. So I found, who knows? Who can say? Uh, I found the old composite cable. The good old-fashioned uh, uh, Nintendo-branded original yellow with red and white cables on it. And so I've got an N64 modded with RGB, which I'm fairly sure is redoing composite. So it's great, as good as composite can be. Then I'm displaying it on Humblebrag, my 20-inch BVM. Yes, of course. So that's looking lovely. But in the middle, I'm using composite. Hmm. And what I found is it looks really good. Really, really good. And I... Because the, the composite is just ever so gently blending down the colors... And that's particularly important on the uh, original N64 3D games. They're a bit rough around the edges yeah. sometimes. And composite is just nicely smoothing everything over. The BVM still looks real sharp. The composite originally is quite good. And I don't think I need to go back to RGB, actually. It might all be... 
Well, at least for 3D games. You're just uh, you're just opposite. It's real nice. You're just racing a Ferrari in a parking lot. You're like, <laughs> it's like it's, com- it's like a composite in a BVM. Like you have this this you know. Uh, sophisticated piece of professional video equipment, and he <laughs> plugs in a fucking composite cable, and he's like, "Oh yeah, man, that's fucking right." You know, it's, it's this is where it's at. Bloody hell! Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the thing is uh, uh, with the Nintendo sixty four. I've learned, you know, and, and no, I mean, I think everybody should go buy Voltar's products. Whatever, go 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 crazy, give him a lot of money, uh, but not too much because he lives in Kentucky. And people in Kentucky can't make that much money. Uh, that's an inside joke, sorry. Uh, S-Video S from an N64 is fine. Is fine, especially mm. if you're playing on a CRT. Any just shitty consumer CRT, S-Video looks awesome from an N64. And even, uh, I remember when the RetroTINK 5X first came out, everybody was just plugging in their stock N64 through S-Video and doing side-by-sides with the... Uh, Pixel FX's, uh, uh, whatever it's called, N64 digital, digital yeah. that wasn't out yet. It was just the Ultra HDMI, which they're they're roughly the same. It's the same it's the same mod, really. It's just Pixel FX has done a couple different things to it, but uh, they were doing the side by side over a flat screen on on S Video, and it looked pretty indistinguishable. You're just like. Well, I mean, it's the N64, so shit in, shit out. I mean, <laughs> it's just, like, it just fucking sucks. So, you know, you can only put so much lipstick on that pig, but, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, but uh, but it, it still looks pretty good. But even RGB, I, I, I've noticed, especially if you put it on a PVM or a BVM, like, it, it looks really vibrant and sharp sure. with RGB. So, yeah, man, give it a whirl. Repin that tw- that JP21. And that's, that's an OEM JP twenty one you found yeah right? it's an OE- I have I have another one I have a retro gaming cable somewhere in the they're fine in the storage somewhere yeah. I'll find it but also if I rewire the the JP twenty one it's at least a um, in theory it's uh, reversible it's not a right. one way kind of thing I'm not damaging this original thing and I'm actually making it useful because I mean you've got a large collection behind you I've got a large collection behind me but. I mean, what are we going to do? Stick a cable on the wall and be like, oh, no. wow, I remember where I bought this cable? You should maybe try and use cables. Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand. Yeah, I'm going to preserve the integrity of my JP21. What What do you... <laughs> I don't have a single JP21 port anywhere in this room. So No, neither do I. <laughs> what do the I care? The I was going to try is... Um, I've got a whole bunch of extra SCART cables at home. So the other thing I was going to try was uh, maybe just rewiring one. So in using it, like you could use it as a converter, essentially. Right. If you just took a plain old SCART cable, that's a good idea. It, and then it would be an adapter. Yeah. But then you got an extra cable on the end, and you know all sorts of stuff. So whatever. Um, and you can buy them as well. I think it's Video Games Perfection uh, mm-hmm. that sells little chody little uh, adapters like that, and, and other vendors. They were only like twenty bucks, but shipping to communist Europe uh, is always too much for me. So I'm. I'm, I mean, I'm a true member of the Soviet Union. I don't want to pay for, you know, I could buy it from capitalistic Amazon or I could make it myself in salt mine. Because it is hard to get products. That's yes. very... Have you seen Levi jeans? I have new Levi's. <laughs> they, they are called Levinsky. Yes. <laughs> uh, did you say Chody? What is Chody? 
Oh, maybe it's an Australian thing. That is. Showed the bit underneath your asshole. That's a taint. No? That's a taint. Oh, that's a taint. It's a taint. That this you're talking about the flap of the skin between your asshole yeah. and your ball sack. That's a taint. That's what they. Oh, it's even on dictionary.com. Chode a penis, especially one oh. characterized oh. as being short and thick. No, chode. I get chode. That's that's in the vernacular, my friend. But chode, sure, sure, sure. chode, yeah, chode. Okay, all right. Of so being like a chode. Okay. Uh, Exhibiting behavior theme. of a right. chode. I got it. All right. right. Yeah, yeah. And exactly, enough. I was because I was saying a short little scart adapter. It's no doubt going to have a thick cable on it because it's a good one, and it's going to be short, so it's chody. I, I have to get into a very important topic that I've been meaning to discuss with you, Lewis. Um, mm. It's very, very relevant to the Cathode Ray podcast. So <laughs> when you're in Japan, uh, the Japanese are known for being uh, very, very, very clean people. Uh, you know, uh, they, everything is just pristine, right? It's just very antiseptic. It's just everything is just so clean. This includes their bathrooms. So tell me about their bathrooms. Because <clears throat> in, in us, the United States, everybody with our dirty assholes, we, we, the Japanese are shown in media as having like these really sophisticated toilet technologies with like multiple buttons everywhere that scrub and and you know shoot jets of water up your ass and, and just make sure everything is clean down there so did, was that your experience did you have those in your travels yes japan certainly has those techno toilets mm -hmm. and it's something they've been known for a million years they've right. had this Japan toilets, to me, are weird. Not just because of the techno toilet. And there can be varying states of techno toilet. You can have one with all the bells and whistles and everything. And some right. just have a few buttons. Like, even, even the idea that a toilet has electricity somewhere in its use case is a different thing for a Westerner. A little scary. We don't right. even have that. But J Japanese toilets are one of two things. They're either the Star Trek Enterprise with <laughs> buttons and need a manual or something like that, or they're completely the opposite and they're literally a hole in the ground. <laughs> Traditional Japanese toilets are the squat pit. And it's like you, and so you can. No lever, no plumbing, no nothing. No plumbing. I wow. mean, maybe there is. There might be a little water <laughs> that trickles down to take it away, mm -hmm. but it's a long, thin pit and you squat over it style and they're kind of typically referred to as traditional japanese toilets okay. and it's always still look i'm not sure many japanese people use them but there's always a bit of like oh you westerners you've got to use your western toilets yeah I'm like this is the shit you're used to go ahead just squat in the hole and you know just do your business so a typical cubicle section uh may have one normal one like normal i mean who says i mean you know, look at a nicer place will just have all regular ones. But you could often have one squat pit at one end, and then the rest the regular toilets. <laughs> so you see both of those. But I don't know how to use the techno toilet. So what you end up doing is maybe the the toilet has um, signs on it, like little translations. Someone's used a Dymo or oh, something nice. to okay. print out that. Okay. Um, if you're in some sort of tourist establishment, sure. or you end up with your phone using Google <laughs> Translate app, and you're on the toilet trying to... I mean, you're taking a shit, right? So you got your phone out anyways. So you're exactly. already... You're, you're like, you know, while I'm here, I'm going to... This character, I'm not sure what the... Oh, that's the brush. I don't want the brush. Okay, I want the I want the jet. Do I want the, the chime? Yeah, let's go with the chime. You know, 
Why not? Do you have... Uh, uh, okay, my question back to you, Roger, about American toilets is all I hear about is how great bidets are. The little yes. spray Oh, we don't have thing. them. We don't. Do you have them in your little post-Soviet uh, country there? Do you have... No? Uh, no, no. So Maybe th- there was a weird time in... Um, how to say when I go into a bathroom of an Estonian or let's say any post-Soviet country's place there was a weird time in the 90s it was free right Soviet Union's gone fucking Boris is on the tanks and it's new freedom right and people wanted the little luxuries Mm -hmm. that they didn't have a lot of money but they wanted and one of the ways they got little luxuries which helped me was they bought a lot of fancy CRTs right which is why so many were available and why HDs were available because that's like an affordable luxury you could buy in a few years well once things recovered you could get secondly was bathrooms so I've seen <laughs> weird over the top toilets I've seen spa, big spa enclosures in this fucking Soviet Union Khrushchevki apartment these big chambers that have jets coming out from multiple <laughs> and none of them work nobody no. ever uses them but no. it was something it was this sort of hip luxury back in the the 90s uh for for Estonian people so what have you guys got you don't have we, bidets because no. i hear about america bidets no. no see that's just it there was some construction baron at some point during the age of the you know uh, 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 technological revolution, whatever the the early twentieth century, that decided it is cost inefficient to put bidets in American bathrooms. And to to my chagrin, I wish we had bidets because I think the thought process is wonderful, right? You do your business and then you hit another button and it cleans it out. Like that's the way it should be. Instead, let's just waste paper and then you got to jam it in there and you got to you got to clean it out and and it's never quite clean and it's just okay more to more to oh fuck now my now my skin is all chapped and tender and it's ah now i now i'm in pain the rest of the day like every american you see lewis has a filthy asshole okay (laughs) i'm serious you i would not shake a single american's hand because there is not enough lava soap out there that is gritty enough to scrape all of that shit off of their hands whereas i talk to some of my european friends and they're like oh yeah oh bidets are yeah that's just i i can't remember ever having a period of time without a bidet and it's just literally like a, a, a two by three footprint in your bathroom just one more thing and then you, you kind of move over and you, you have yourself a little party like oh so that's a sep so you talk so let's get into the intricacies of the bidet so that's a separate one traditionally right. it traditionally it's a separate one now they sell the two-in-one comp well now now they sell who knows they could have had it for decades now but but sure. yes there's the two-in-one combo it requires an extra you know an extra pipe that goes in you hit the button it gives you a little party and and, and you're good to go but yeah i think is that the, the um i see sometimes there's a little like hand thing that looks like it could be the shower or something but it's on the top is that it and you're supposed to underneath yourself oh that's or is the bidet where you sit down oh, oh, and somehow no that's hardcore i don't know about the shower head like that to me is you're into some freaky kinky stuff like that's okay. that's great my my understanding is it's literally just the jet underneath the bowl and you just hit the button and it just shoots right up in the you know the the, the tea and biscuits and, and and you it just you know flushes it all out uh, and then you're like cleansed. Uh, Does it? Okay, here's my concerns. I've never used one, and I have concerns. Help me with this. What First concerns of all, are there? It's <laughs> Amy. 
aiming. No, it's a. Is it, dude, what if it misses? What do you have? Do you have the world's smallest ass? I mean, <laughs> well, my next question is: Do you have to pull them apart to make sure that, or you kind of sit in that to make sure they're no to the. Well, it's like in Star Wars where they try to break through and the deflector shield is up and the biz 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 can't get through right. the shields. Right, and then you have like and, a uh, smattering of, of brown liquid has just made its way to the floor and you're like, ah, fuck, you know. But no, I just think it's a, okay. it's it's like a, um, it's just a little thing you squat over and you hit the button and it, you know, if, if you're a, 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 an average adult, it's you have enough real estate there to cover the stuff and you just there there are nothing there's probably a bunch of european people watching this going these two fucking idiots listen to these guys <laughs> these fucking monkeys and after after okay let's say the spraying process is successful yeah uh number one like really everything comes off with water i guess so i mean have all you, right have you taken a shower we, lewis yes it does Okay, second, if it's wet... I'm concerned then, about your asshole. Do you actually clean you over there? Do, <laughs> do you got to do a drying step as well, don't you? Like, then you, your bum is wet. Don't you then have to dry it with a bit of water? Too? Well, I think that's where the, the toilet... Paper? Well, I think that's where the toilet paper comes in. I mean, it's already there. Okay. You know, you just take that, and you probably dab it, and it's... I mean, it's not like a lot of water. I don't know. This is all conjecture on my part, all right? I've <laughs> seen I've seen pictures of it. I go, I want that. And because we, we've redone one bathroom... I want to redo the other bathroom, and I want to figure out how to get a bidet in the process. I'm obsessed with bidets. If you haven't, if you couldn't tell, like I, I imagine just, the toilet store, just wherever you go, the house furnishings, fitting yeah. bathroom, fittings place will have options. Oh them. yeah, yeah, I would think so. I mean, and you want to talk about luxury? Like Americans look at that and they go, "Oh wow, you clean your ass with water. That's that's fucking amazing, man." <laughs> One of the things like having an ice maker in your fridge that yeah. really always seems like oh, luxury. Now I've made it. Wow, you really made it. <laughs> I don't know. I just assumed they were everywhere in Japan, just because Japanese people are so clean. Like everything. I think they are, but I wouldn't like. I just want to know the button to flush, and that's it. I don't need to know the rest of the programming language. I don't need to learn C sharp or whatever the fuck to to run this toilet. I just want to. I'm gonna get a whole bunch of that paper because also J Japan. Has uh, I've noticed again on the extremes, their toilet paper is either soft like tissue paper that crumples in a large fumbly Western hand, yeah. or sandpaper. Right. One of the two. So I'm typically I got a big. So what I'm learning about Japan is that there's no moderation in Japan. You just have the two extremes. That's it. It's... That is an excellent way I think to describe their society. You might even say I even. And I'll go way off on the cultural deep end here. Why do they have all these dudes, uh, salarymen, who go out, get fucking shit face drunk and, and right. sleep in the whatever and all of that? And, but then they're known as, as being a conservative society, uh, more inward, uh, more polite, certainly. So I think, and then, you know, and then why do they love tentacle porn? I don't know. You said that, not me. <laughs> They, so they like these extremes, and we're human beings. Whenever you repress yourself a little bit, you need an outlet, and I think it's they like extremes. So I'm good with extremes. What the fuck were you watching while you're in Japan? What is tentacle porn? <laughs> oh, you just thought I'd just let that go by? <laughs> yeah, I, just thought, I thought it was a thing. I thought, thought everyone would watch. I, I swear, I just clicked. I was curious. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> octopus and a gangbang. It's weird. I don't know. <laughs> All right, all right. Since uh, you, uh, we need to move along. Sorry, you've got to go do your day job. 
you've got things to do, criminals to prosecute. No, and, I don't uh, do that kind of shit. But. All that sort of stuff. Let's talk about uh, MSX for the next 20 oh, minutes. 20 minutes? A lot of shit. You're only going to give me 20 minutes on the MSX? Oh, we so. got more? No, we have, well, whatever, till the top of the hour, 25. No, um... MSX. Uh, I, so so Lewis, where did it start? So because so Roger loves the MSX. I was in Japan finding all sorts of MSX stuff for him. Uh, but well, no. Where so, did it start for you? So so you uh, it, actually it's your fault. Uh, I'm going to blame it all on you. Uh, you you sent me a DM. You say, hey man, I'm going out to Japan. Is there anything you want me to look for for you? And at that point, you know, I was Famicommed out because I went through my Famicom rabbit hole. I bought the Famicom, I bought the disc system, I bought the, you know, the eight or so disc games I wanted, I had a few loose carts that I wanted, and I'm like, I think I'm good on Famicom, I'm out of space, but then I'm like, fuck, man, I've always wanted an MSX, and MSX would be awesome. So, uh, and MSX computers, uh, and MSX is not a brand, it is a standard, much like HDMI is a standard, uh, SCART is a standard, uh, MSX is a... Uh, byproduct of the ASCII Corporation of Japan and Microsoft getting together to figure out a way to standardize home computers in Japan in the 80s. Because at that point, it was the Wild West. Uh, you had uh, NEC making computers. You had Sharp making computers. You had uh, you know the FM Towns computers. And all of these electronics firms were like, fuck, I want to get into the PC making business. Uh, but the problem is we all make our own operating systems. We all make our own software, and the, it's very fragmented. So Microsoft, of course, being the uh, big global capitalist uh, Satan that it is, decided, hey, let's standardize this so you all have to buy our software. And so they created the MSX computer with ASCII Corp. And so everybody signed on, all the uh, big Japanese firm signed on, like, uh, uh, Sony, uh, Panasonic, uh, you name it, they created it. So uh, MSX computers, you know, it's a pretty basic 8-bit computer. Very, uh, you know, folks uh, in the West, uh, what, you had the ZX Spectrum, you had, uh, you know, Commodore, you had all of those computers. I think the, the original MSX wasn't quite up to snuff with those, but with the uh, MSX2, uh, you had 64 kilobytes of RAM. You had um, upgraded uh, CPU power. Uh, it, it could run pretty proper games, uh, pretty good games. So I always wanted an MSX2. <clears throat> so I sent you on a wild goose chase. And I said, Lewis, go find me a nice MSX2. And I wanted a Sony one because, to me, having Microsoft software in a Sony shell is funny. So, <laughs> so you know, I just wanted that. So I guess I can go grab it. Here, let me go. Give yeah, me a second. Yeah, go grab it. So I guess the, we could compare the MSX licensing to, like, 3DO, the way there was a company who made a standard. Or, I mean, I guess in IBM, they made the X86 um, is the way in the West we, we typically standardized on those things. Oh, you can see there through that Roger's got his uh, early, early Nintendo, the big orange thing in the background which is the Nintendo game system. It's like a Pong thing All or right. something. All right. Uh, okay, here we go. Here we grab go. some software, too. Why not? Um, so the thing about the MSX, which you uh, 
you discovered while you're in Japan is some of them are fucking big. Like they're you know they're they're heavy too. So this is got the keyboard built in. So it's, oh it's yeah, hefty. I mean well especially kind of if you... harking back to the Amiga style. The, yeah, five hundred that had that very similar. Yep, very similar to the Amiga. Uh, you know, it's got the ten key on the side. You probably can't even pick this up, but this is the Sony there, uh, FX F1 XV. This was actually the last. MSX computer that Sony ever manufactured. It's actually an MSX2 Plus, which upgraded the, I want to say the VDP. Um, and it's, uh, it's a beautiful computer. It's a beautiful piece of equipment. I've had it recapped. Um, I had the, the uh, floppy drive looked at. Uh, that was still... So it's got floppy and cart inputs. Correct, yeah. It actually has two cart inputs. So you could put a cart oh, input here. Actually... What's the use of that? Is it just why? So, why two? Uh, because a lot of manufacturers put out, um, sorry, additional RAM carts, uh, okay. FM carts. Uh, so you could you could pop in your game and then also have additional RAM support. Like some games, like Metal Gear Two, required that additional RAM or it just wouldn't run. So, or if or if you had a floppy disk game, a Konami, you know, of course, if you know anything about the Nintendo. Uh, Konami is always putting extra sound chips and shit. They want their games to be bigger and badder than all the other games. So Konami had an additional sound cartridge that you could put into um, hmm. the MSX computer and then also run a floppy disk. So their version of Snatcher on the MSX, if you put in that sound cartridge plus the disk, you're having a, a much improved audio over what you would get over a standard MSX. So, And, um, you know, honestly, if it wasn't for Konami... Nobody would give two shits about the MSX today, right? I mean, but Konami was the biggest developer for it. Sure, they, they were. I saw when I was there. Yeah, I mean, they they developed for the MSX long before they started developing for uh, the NES. So, you know, I picked there up a is. box copy of Metal Gear. Uh, I won't say how much I spent on that, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it, but some of the early, I mean, just like for historical reasons, like there, this is one of their earlier. Um, this is a game called Nightmare. It had a trilogy. Uh, this is one of Konami's long list of forgotten IPs that they really should resurrect. Uh, and it's just like a standard shooter. And, uh, you know, they would just, they would kind of slide out like a VHS tape. Um, cool. you know, a big box, like back in the day, a big box. Yeah. And it would just slide out and you got the manual there and then, whoops. And then, you know, you've seen these cartridges all over the place. Um, sure. You know, so but, a few things. MSX2, uh, were they carts for MSX2 or only floppies? Uh, both. And that's... Like how to say games. Okay. So this is really the problem with MSX, is their games came in a wide range of software. So there was cassette tapes, you know, for mm. like, like the ZX. There's oh, yeah. floppies. There's cartridges. And so you have all these different ways to play the games. And some games, like Snatcher required both like the cartridge and the disc so um the problem becomes how do you emulate all that shit you know and the thought process is well yeah well i'll just create a flash cart but the flash cart also has to work with the operating system of the msx which is msx basic uh which i don't know anything about programming but people who do know things about programming have told me it is a more difficult or a, a, a stupid version of basic <laughs> and uh or a more closed version of basic i guess and uh and so trying to figure out an fpga based flash cart to run all of those different types of software like the cartridge and the floppies and the cassettes 
mm. is is kind of a tall task. I'm sure there's some very gifted individual out there who could figure it all out, but there are flashcards available. I have one, um, but they're they're not very user friendly. Like you've got to understand some basic coding to make certain yeah. types of games run, and that's that's kind of the rub with it right now. But basic, so cart- you have to have. Car- so you've got the, the main things. I mean, tape, okay, let's leave to the side. But you've got game carts, you've got add-on carts, and you've got floppy disks that could have games. So it's almost like each one of those things needs its own solution for that. Flash cart could be flash carts. I know you can get MSX uh, add-on modern-day reproductions of the of that. That's I've seen some of those floating around, modern-day mm-hmm. reproductions of the add-on cards. And then the floppy drive, I mean, that's the hardest one right. to, you'd have to sort of unplug the whole floppy drive and put some sort of SD card based solution that you use maybe for Amiga or something like that. Right. So yeah, you sort of up for three things rather than one. Well, it's not just three. So, uh, you know what, let me, I'll show you my flash card that I got. Um, mm. Give me a second. So yeah, I spent a lot of time looking for MSXs. Okay, so Roger. kind of Here the most go. recent flash card is uh, the Carnivore 2. Um, it's it's made by the Russian Bear... What is it? RBSC. I can't remember what that's co- what that stands for. But anyways, it's an open source project. It was developed in Russia. Um, Carnivore 2. It, so this supports... I'm going to put my glasses on. I can't fucking see. Um, this supports uh, SCC, SCC+, which is the Konami cartridge, the sound cartridge. Uh okay. Uh, FM pack, which is uh, FM synthesizer uh, music. Uh, mm. It adds PSG music. It adds flash ROM, uh, IDE uh, reading support for you know for your floppies and things like that, and additional RAM. So it's doing all of that stuff. The problem is if you have it all going at once, it causes conflicts with some games. Like for example, like for example, if 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 I'm running this to operate with the FM synth. Some games that, um, so yeah, so the MSX2 Plus has FM has an FM chip on the motherboard. If I run FM through this, it causes a conflict. So some M, uh, uh, FM games sound like complete shit. All you hear is just static. So you got to figure out a way. Okay, now I have to trick the cart into disabling this feature from the FPGA so I can actually run the game properly. So it's just it's just little nuances like that that make it. It's not like it ever. What about let's say you said of the Konami example where you could have the add-on cart and then the game uh, was the game coming from another cart or from the disc? Uh, in say Konami, both. <laughs> both. So both. so yeah yeah so because Konami mostly made carts uh, on mm-hmm. rare occasion they had disc-based games too. I think they had like some some compilation games, mm-hmm. uh, Snatchers, the big example. Where it, yeah, it would take the uh, the SC for most of the time the SEC chip would just be put on the cartridge, so it's very okay. e- easy. You just pop the cartridge in. It's just like an NES game. You pop the cartridge in and it plays. But uh, but yeah, when you start getting into two formats, that's when it becomes kind of a headache when you when you start using this flash card. Um, I, I can imagine there might be like a bus conflicts or something at a lower level because if something was meant to be two carts yep. or a cart and a floppy disk and then all of a sudden it's coming off the one thing, I can imagine that the system may not particularly like that. Yeah, and that that's the problem. And then you you know you, you're like, okay, well, I'll figure out a solution. Well, okay, I'm gonna go on the internet and look for a solution. Oh wait, everybody in English speaking countries never used an MSX, so all of these <laughs> instructions are in Portuguese or Russian or Japanese. So it's like fuck. <laughs> 
what do I do? So like, I, I mean, you know, uh, 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 TN Fang on, on Twitter, like uh, he and I have been just, just, you know, DMing each other about this. Like, Hey, so wh what do you do with your MSX on this? And he's like, I'm fucking sick of this thing. <laughs> it's just, it's a, so I think there's a Mr. Core coming back to Mr. I think there's a Mr. Core being released for the MSX that is apparently extremely user-friendly and you could just load up the core and then you can choose what options you want on the core and then just play it. I'll do a video I think on it. It was in progress. Do you know has there been progress on that recently? I looked at maybe a year ago. I watched a video recently. Uh I can't remember the guy's name. The guy from uh, Giant Bomb. Um oh, okay. he he just did a about a month ago. He did a video and I think it's in beta. Uh, of the Mr. Core, and he was running shit left and right. Now, it was all cartridge-based, you know, but um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how it handles all those different formats like uh, cassette and floppy, but he seemed to have a really easy experience. And, you know, that and not to promote my upcoming channel, but that's, that's going to be the gist of my channel is, you know, I'm going to put all of this hardware, all of this software on trial, and I'm going to, okay, here it is. This is why it's great. This is the context. This is why you might want to acquire this. Um, here are the pros. Here are the cons. This is how much it costs. Factoring all that in, this is how easy it is to emulate it. And this is how well it performs in emulation. So let's make a decision. Should you just emulate it or should you just buy it? And uh, because it's 2023... It, I've acquired most of my collection in the last 10, 15 years. Like back then, shit was cheap. Now it's not. So if you were just getting into game collecting today, I wouldn't have a. I would have a fraction of the shit that I have. I would just buy a Mister and just call it a day because you know emulation has gotten so good. Uh, and for MSX, as much as I love this this computer, like I think it looks awesome. It, it, it just is, you know, you're, you're taken back to a, a different world at a different time playing this shit. I think I'd still rather just emulate it. <laughs> like, it's just less of a headache. Uh, and there's tons of software-based uh, MSX emulators out there. You can just pop it open in Windows and it runs great. So, so anyways. I struggle for that sort of reason with the current prices. I struggle to, that's why I don't really collect games. Right. I do a bit. If I like the game, sure, I'm going to have it. If, as long as it's not a crate, you know, 50 bucks, I don't think I'm just going to buy it. And I know a lot of people are games collectors, but if you're sort of on the hardware side, you've got flashcards, mm -hmm. maybe Mr. Let's say even a flashcard. So you're still playing it on some sort of uh, realm of real hardware, or maybe I'm, I'm using a, an old mod chip on my Saturn, so I'm still burning discs on my Saturn like it's yeah, the year 2000. But <laughs> it's some level of realness happening there. If I can already play that, let's say a bur I burn the disc on my Saturn, I can play it. Um, some level of realness, I struggle to spend 50, 80, 100 on some game just to say I have it. I mean, Dude, $50, you're locked out of like 80% of the Saturn's library. Like, you yeah. can't, like Saturn's insane. Uh, even even in Japan, I mean, you've seen the. You were just there. I mean, what are the prices going for in, in Japan on the Saturn? It's for a all lot. The software? Yeah. So anything, especially anything shmup, anything I might be interested in. So I really struggle to think like, oh, I want to buy that game so I can play it when I can already play it. Right. On, and actually, this is getting into. Um, I have a sort of similar idea for a video that I'm going to produce uh, soon, which is, um, how to say, what is how many levels of emulation are we using? So if you just emulate something on a computer, fair enough, we understand that's emulation. Right. So is it, what if you use a flash card? Some people are 
cool with that. We don't need the game, but I'm playing on original hardware. Some people, like I was saying, I want to burn a CD, and that's fine for my Dreamcast and for my Saturn. I'm cool with that. I don't have to spend a hundred bucks on a ODE. I know it's not much, but you know, I can it's also a, burn it, some CDs. It's a hundred bucks. Times. You know, that could be a yeah, lot of money bucks, for hundred bucks. Yeah. So, how many parts of the system do you emulate? And I was thinking about that when it comes to Famicom Disk System. Because my video is going to be why I didn't buy a twin Famicom, even though I know they were so shit cheap, 60, kind of right, really shit cheap. Right. But what I'm uh, doing is if you use that FDS stick, oh. the, the small little dongle oh. called the FDS stick can emulate the red box of that. So I've got this solution, which is essentially two thirds real hardware, one third emulated. Right. The real hardware is the Famicom, that's real. The second bit of real hardware is that black adapter that sits over the top, plugs it in the cartridge port. Right. And the third part, which is meant to be the big old red disk drive, uh, the bit that always fails, the bit that has belt problems and yep. configuration problems, it's that's what you can emulate. And it's a pain in the ass to fix. Oh, my gosh. Pain, dude. I have two of those those uh, red boxes that I brought. Like now they're kind of a bit expensive, but I got oh, them yeah. years and years ago. One I tried to fix. One I did pull apart the drive. I, I got the new belts in there, tried to repair that, could not get it working. For as much as I tried, I could not make that work. I have, And I can't now even reassemble the bloody thing because it's so fiddly to get into and I never sort of, I kind of gave up. I have a second one that is untouched that maybe one day I have the skill and capabilities to be able to fix. I knew, because I knew if I pull that one apart, I'm also never going to put it back together either. I'll send you a YouTube video because I, I got a little adventurous uh, when I was on Japanese web auctions and I was uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck, I could get a disk drive for like $15. It's broken. Mm -hmm. How hard is it to fix? All right, I'll go on. And I found, I found a YouTube video that made it seem pretty easy to fix so i'll send it to you and the guy was like this is a hundred percent success rate other videos will have you do these additional 25 oh, steps you don't have to yeah. do that shit all you need is a little ipa on these little areas and you got to twist this belt to here you got to do that and i and i was like yeah, yeah yeah i could do this i could do this and then i i i got it i opened it up and i was like fuck this <laughs> so i was like all right how much for a working one how much for a okay 75 dollars. all right i could stomach that all right and i and i got it and then I get it, and I'm like, well, I don't want to use it because I don't want the belt to, I don't want the belt to break, so I'm never going to use it. Fuck. And then you find the F FDS stick or whatever it's called, the yeah, the Famicom disc mm, stick. FDS and, stick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and God, that thing's a lifesaver for thirty bucks. It's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. Yeah. Um. So yeah. And that the 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 cart the, the black cartridge thing. I mean, I was still finding a few of them around for about five hundred yen, or maybe maybe you're going to pay ten like. Or shipped or something, maybe 10, 15, 20, 30. I are, don't know. are you talking about the RAM expansion card? That... The RAM expansion card. Oh, yeah, yeah, those are cheap. Those are very cheap. Those are pretty, still pretty cheap as yeah. well. So you can get three, two, two thirds of the way to real hardware uh, with that. And for me, that was my line. I was like, I'm good. I don't need to screw around for days and days mm -hmm. fixing a, a Famicom disk system box. Um, and I didn't buy one. Again, I could again could have just bought one for about 80 bucks with a replaced belt, but I went. Because then, if I spend eighty bucks on the Famicom Disk System box, gotta buy some discs. Yeah, man. Then I'm gonna have to buy games as well. And some of them, I struggle. And some of know, those games, that. some of those games aren't cheap either, man. Like, oh god. I mean, yeah. I have, I bought, I bought about eight of them. 
Uh, I've got okay. I got Castlevania, I got Zelda, Zelda Two. You know, I and for me here, I, we got a couple minutes. Let me grab one. Sure, sure. Oh yeah. Like for me, it's it's just does it look cool on a shelf? And if somebody who has even just a a elementary level of understanding of video games would recognize it, like you would just see, you would just see this yep. Castlevania, and you would just go, mm. "Fuck, man, that looks cool!" And you know, you got to get it complete with the, you know, with the manual and the disc, and and yeah. uh, and it, it's I I'm I'm like you now. I I don't like wasting a ton of money on software because it's like I could just emulate this shit for cheap, and even you know even the FTS disc. Or the FDS stick. Okay, yeah, you can go through that whole process, but I could also just turn on the Mister and just hit hit three things, and I'm there. <laughs> you know, so it makes it so much. It's hard to justify the cost, and I, I look forward to that video of yours because it's it's a real philosophical. You know, I really want to play on real hardware, but it's really expensive. Yeah. It's a real pain in the ass. God, Mister's really good. I mean, there's, there's loads of that stuff coming out now, like, uh, let's say, the Crick's uh, RGB blaster for mm -hmm. the Famicom. I mean, that's kind of using, that's use, it is using an FPGA inside yeah. to reconstruct the, so how do you, you know, then you all just have to make your own choice. How much, how OG do I really want to be? Is the RGB blaster, well, it's using an FPGA to create a new RGB signal, so this is not the way that small little uh, Japanese kid would have played, you know, or you're just like, I'm cool, I got this nice thing in or, front of me. Or, in the alternative, you have to open up the shell. You've got to modify the shell to put in that composite uh, modification. You've got to put in an additional board to get RGB out. So is it really original? But at least with the RGB blaster, it's original because all I'm doing is just putting it in the 60-pin cart and it's, <laughs> you know? So I, we're all hypocrites, but that's that's kind of, I don't know. It, I, hate, I hate the Twitter discourse about emulation. Like, emulation is some bad word. Emulation's awesome. Emulation makes, yeah. it, it's just the quality of life is really how you, I mean, if you were to put, and I'll talk about this in my video, if you were to integrate a Famicom into your setup, you couldn't play the fucking thing. Not just because of R, or no, seriously, not just because of yeah. RF, but because the, the controller length is like 18 inches. You can't yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. play the thing. Yeah. So, you know, and, uh, you know, Bob just put out an article uh, that uh, Mr. Add-ons just made that uh, expansion port with the, with the controllers. So you mm -hmm. can plug in your NES controllers and, you know, the, Big fucking American controllers with the 91 inches of cord length. Yeah, America, fuck yeah. You could actually play that from your couch, you know. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, man, you have to emulate. You got to modify because this shit's just not practical anymore. It's just not. Uh, and <laughs> nobody's got the time, really. <laughs> I think what I'm looking for in these solutions these days is that's why I love controllers. Because to me, it's something that if I spend money on controller, maybe a fight stick, maybe a weird controller, maybe what is, it's still something I can hold in my hand, and it's something you can't emulate. It's something right. you can't just do. I can plug it into the Mister. Now I've got the Damon Byte adapters or Snack adapters if I want to go to that level. Um, so I'm actually willing. I'd rather spend 50, 80, 100 bucks on some weird controller, and I hold it. And to me, that's what triggers the nostalgia I think more than just having the game on the shelf. You're a hundred percent right, and that's what has kept me away from emulation for so long. Is I don't want to play this with a with a fucking Xbox controller. You know, I don't. Sure. It's not. It's I can't play Super Mario Brothers with an Xbox controller. It's just off to me. If I were twenty and I didn't know any better, yeah, sure, fuck it, who cares? But um, 
but yeah, be it, I've had that experience with that NES controller in my hands, and it was awesome, and I want that again. So you're right. It, it's all about the controllers, man. It's um... Now, usually I am. Actually, to wrap it back around to N64, uh, as we before we head off, um, now, usually I am. Usually I want to play on the real... For that same reason. This is the Nintendo controller. This is the whatever Super Nintendo controller. Right. I want to play on a, a, a period and system-specific controller. But what I had discovered with the Nintendo 64 is a lot of... Because it's early 3D. Early 3D has problems. It's got graphics problems. They don't age so well. And control problems. We still hadn't worked out... Yeah, we don't have a modern uh, first-person shooter. Right. That has yet to evolve yet. And I was playing all the driving games. And I really, really thought they were better using a modern stick. Oh, so yeah. I was using the Retro Fighters, the, the Brawler original one or whatever it was, the, you know, the first one, plugs in with a wire, and it's got a nice modern stick, it's tight, and I actually felt that helped the games a lot. And that's actually one instance, and maybe just racing games, there's still many games where the original Nintendo 64 are fine, where also uh, a blue retro adapter might also be a good solution there, so you can Bluetooth it to a modern controller. So it it definitely uh, pasted over the short some of the shortcomings of the N64 controls by using a more modern controller, but I'm quite specific about where I would use that. So let's just sum it up. The N64 sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about it sucked. <laughs> the controller, the hardware, the video output, it sucked. <laughs> sucks. Sucks. Uh, that's funny. Me. All right, Roger, you gotta head off soon. You gotta go. I gotta. Work. I gotta head off. Thing. I gotta. I gotta do my thing. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. I will be. I'm like the the kid in the divorce uh, because Steve wanted me on his live stream, so I'm gonna. Uh, I'll be on that. So look for me there. Uh, and and one of these days, one of these days, I'll I'll have my YouTube channel that going, channel and we'll see you on there, my good friend. Yeah, uh, we're gonna be on there as well. So I can't um, wait. That'll be fun. Cool guys, I'll end this. Stay on the line just for a second, Roger. But sure. I'll end this. Thanks everyone for watching. See you next time.